Right now at Safeway, shop the big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Right now at Safeway, save on all your personal care favorites during the Buy 3, Save $3 sale. During the Buy 3, Save $3 sale at Safeway, buy three of your favorite personal care items like Dove Shampoo, Dove Antiperspirant Deodorant, Dove Men's Body Wash, Tresemme Hairspray, or Axe Shower Gel and save $3. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith and faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. Shout that thing out. I am. Remain standing real quick. Look at Luke chapter 10. One scripture I want to look at. Luke chapter 10. We welcome those watching on all of our campuses today. Luke chapter number 10. When you got it, say, I got it. And if you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. One, two. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. You got it? Look what it says. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, and they wounded him. And they departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Somebody say compassion. So he went with him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that you're a God that can take human words and make them have divine meaning in our lives. And so, Father, now we pray that you would customize, tailor make this word for us, your people, today. And, Father, we thank you that your presence would even begin to manifest, even now, Father, as this word is disseminated, Father. I declare that every wound that people walked in here with, that by the time this word has been ministered, that that wound is not only healed, but that wound was as if it never took place in the first place. I, I declare that healing is flowing now in the lives of every person. We may have been wounded, but we're still here. We may have had to go through some things, but we're still standing so I speak to every warrior under the sound of my voice and command them to rise up from that place of defeat and step into the place of victory that you have ordained and we thank you that it is so in Jesus name somebody shout hallelujah Hallelujah. high five two or three people as you take your seats and tell them we're going to talk about the wounded warrior the wounded warrior that's what we're going to talk about 
every warrior who received wounds from the battles that we encounter in life, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're the pastor, the plumber, the priest, I don't care who you are, every warrior is going to receive wounds from the battles that we encounter in life. And I'm here to make an announcement to you that everybody in this place and everybody watching at every campus, you got a one-way ticket to a place called Out of Your Wounds today. I'm here to tell you, if you keep that thing after today, it's because you want to keep that thing. Does your neighbor say, I'm getting healed today. Tell him, I, I, I'm getting healed. I'm getting healed today. Now, wounds, wounds, wounds can come in two primary forms and from four primary sources. The, the primary forms of those wounds are actions. Actions can wound you. If, if you're given a physical, uh, physically wounded, you could obviously understand that. But sometimes when you rejected, the action of being rejected somebody by someone, that can wound you. The action of being slighted by somebody that you were looking to for affirmation and confirmation and for approval from, that can wound you. And feeling abandoned, maybe you felt like you were thrown away by your parents as a child or maybe you were given up for adoption and that physical action led to you feeling wounded. Somebody say wounded. But I found out that there's something even greater than actions that wound, but there are words that wound. And the thing about words is that when words wound, uh, while an action you may forget about, a word you will remember long beyond that. There's some of you sitting in this place today that you remember when somebody called you stupid, and you remember when somebody said you were ugly, and you remember when somebody told you you were a loser and called you a failure, and, and you remember when somebody compared you to somebody that you loathed. You, you, they said you're going to be just like your daddy you're going to be just like your mama you're going to be just like so and so and so those words have the propensity to wound far deeper than any action i don't evidently have anybody in here that's ever been wounded apparently words are powerful because it doesn't take a lot of words to wound matter of fact it only takes one look at this Touch your neighbor, say, be careful what you say to me. Be, 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 be careful what you say to me. You got to be careful, especially parents, what you say to your children, because the one word that you were using to try to inspire or encourage them could be the very word that makes them question everything that they are. It could be the very thing that makes them hate who they are. I, I don't have anybody evidently that's ever been wounded in this place. So since all of y'all ain't never been wounded, I'll preach to myself. 
in the trailer we started out seeing that you could be wounded by your father and, and, and the wound by a father is very interesting we see David in the scripture was wounded by his father his father did not even consider him uh, to even bring him before Samuel the, the story goes like this that uh, Jesse David's father had sons and, and the Samuel the prophet was going to look for a new man that they could consecrate and anoint as king and, they, and Sam, uh, Jesse brings in all of his sons and brings them before Samuel and one by one they go by and Jesse says he's not the one he's not the one he's not the one he's not the one and Jesse says none of these sons are the one that God told me was going to be the king do you have any other sons and it almost seems like by happenstance that Jesse says oh yes there's David uh, he's out there with the sheep but certainly David could not be the one that you want for king I wonder how David felt when his daddy didn't even think he was good enough to be brought in to be presented to be king anybody ever had something like I wonder how David felt when it was feeling like he was forgotten. I wonder what he thought to himself when he watched his other brothers strip their stuff and show all of their skills for why they were king. And yet his daddy didn't even think him good enough to invite him in the house. David was treated like he didn't even exist. He was wounded by his father. And the wound by a father is very unique because it's a very pronounced wound because it deals with identity. See, the word father in its simplest form means life giver. And so then if you're wounded by the one that's supposed to give you life, how is it that you can have a life that you were never given? You miss what I just said. It's more than just laying down and making a baby. It's about giving life. It's about speaking life. It's about showing an example. It's about saying this is what you can be and you're going to be greater than me. See, you're not a success until you've made successors. You're not a success until you've made somebody else be more fruitful than you. David was forgotten by his father, but David, I love him because he kept a good attitude. David, while he was out there cleaning up those after those sheep and while he was out there handling all of that business David kept a good attitude and he said this I bet he said this he said even if my father did forget about me I'm glad that my heavenly father didn't forget about me and David said even though you didn't think I was good enough to be in the house and you didn't think I was worthy enough I'm glad that God saw the king that was on the inside of me see your parents maybe didn't see the greatness that was on the inside of you but I'm here to tell you your God sees the greatness that's on the inside of you and David's good attitude took him from the pasture all the way to the palace how about that Jesse but then but then but then you can be wounded by family and Abraham, Abraham was somebody that was wounded by family. Family wounds are very unique because they're the last place you'd expect to receive a wound from. Uh, family wounds are unique because many times, many times we, we're dealing with people that we assume have our best interests at heart. But we, what we don't understand is we're dealing with a lot. Say lot. Lot uh, was Abraham's relative and in Genesis 12 and 13 you see the story God says to Abraham get away from your family get away from your bloodline because they're dysfunctional let me just make it real plain for you they crazy and what I need you to do is I need you to come away from them crazy folk June bug all of them crazy come away from them because I need to do something fresh in your life. See, that's why you're in church today. Because God says, I'm trying to bring you into a place that your mama didn't know nothing about. Your daddy didn't know. I'm trying to show you things nobody's seen before. I'm trying to make you the curse breaker, not the curse perpetuator. And so, 
And so, and so God says to Abram, get away from your family, get away, get away from your father, from your father's bloodline. Now, the coincidental thing is that Abraham's father, Terah, he was already dead. So what was God really saying? He wasn't even just saying get away from them physically. He was saying separate yourself from them ideology. Separate yourselves from the way they think. Separate yourselves from their pathology, the way that they do things, because they're crazy. Everybody got some folk in your family that they crazy. I know you want us to sit up here in church and think that everybody love the Lord and pray. No, you got some folk that's crazy. And if, you, if we saw you out in the mall, you would try to act like you wasn't even related to them. Bishop, this is my friend. <laughs> he said, get away from them. But Abraham, Abraham doing what many people do, he had this saying in his mind. Abraham thought, well, blood is thicker than water. So you know what Abraham did? Abraham took Lot with him, thinking that he was doing a good thing. The problem is, is he wasn't doing a God thing. Because, this, because he didn't know what his name meant. The word Lot in Hebrew means hidden motives. And sometimes you will have people with your same blood and your same last name. But baby, they got hidden motives. They don't want to see you go no further than them. They don't want to see you do well. They don't want to see your marriage work because theirs didn't. They don't want to see nothing work good for you. You got to watch out for lots because everybody's family has a lot somewhere. And so, and so, God, Abraham took him with him. And the scripture says that God would not even talk to Abraham until, until Lot was gone. And it got so bad between Abraham and Lot that they began to fight. They began to quarrel over stupid things. And God says, until you get rid of these hidden motives, I cannot give you what it is that you're really seeking me for. See, family wounds are unique because many times family members will always announce and pronounce your difference. They'll, oh, well, you like this, and you do this, and you do this. And they do that sometimes as a way to, to poke fun at you or to be jovial at you or to jest. But what they don't understand is, is what they consider to be your weakness is really your strength. Because your strength is found in your difference. The way you're similar to everybody else, that doesn't make you unique. But the way you're different from everybody else, that's what makes you unique. But family wounds are even worse because family wounds, sometimes you can feel like you're being loved for the person that they hope you become, but not for the person that you currently are. And so sometimes you can feel like they love a, a, a dream of you. I, oh, when, when he's like this one day, whoo, I tell you. And, and sometimes it's very difficult because those wounds come in. And so now you're, you're, you're conflicted and you're going back and forth. But you're bleeding because you're wounded. And you're hurt because you're wounded. And you don't understand because you're wounded. And then you go try to create your own family. But you take the wounds from your natural family into the family you created. And so now they wounded and the new folks wounded. Everybody wounded. But then, but then you can be wounded. Then you can be wounded in relationships. We we all have been wounded in relationships. Samson was a man in the scriptures uh, in Judges thirteen and on uh, that had some issues with relationships. Why is it that sometimes we pick the very worst thing we could ever pick and date it? Okay, you can look at me with that pontificating tone of face if you want to. I ain't stutting you. Samson in the scripture had a history of picking the absolutely worst woman for him. He had a history of picking good woman, women, but they were just bad for him. It's the equivalent of Superman walking into the kryptonite lair, seeing the green light, grabbing the kryptonite, and moving it in his house. Okay, y'all don't want to say nothing. Oh, oh okay. 
Samson had issues with this because he went through several different women. He, he married a Philistine woman and, and his parents told him, listen, this is, this is not what you need to be doing. She is not the one. And Samson, I'm grown. I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do it. Y'all don't know what y'all talking about. We in love. You know, we got to understand it. Y'all don't understand that it's a new day. It ain't the way it was. Ain't it? And then after that, then that don't work out. Then after that, then after that, he goes and, and Samson messes with a prostitute. That don't work out. And then he meets the bane of his existence. He meets his kryptonite. He meets his downfall. And her name was Delilah. Amen. Delilah was a trip because, because Samson, uh, uh, Samson thought that, that she was it. Samson thought that she was one. Many people are destroyed because they don't check the spiritual birth certificate of people they get into serious relationships with. She introduced herself to you as Diana, but baby, her name was really Delilah. It says you got to watch them D's and A's. Now, if your name's Diana, your name just works well for my analogy. But if the shoe fits, put that thing on and wear it. Because here's what Delilah means. Here's what Delilah means. Delilah means one who weakens or makes poor. Did you know you could yoke to the very thing that will weaken you and make you poor? And I'm not just talking about spiritual poor. No, no, no. I'm not about do re me po. I'm talking about you ain't got no money because you're paying off all they bills, po. Y'all don't, okay, all right, all right. Okay, 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 all right, okay, here we go. Samson, he had problems picking the right women. And what's unique about his relationship with Delilah is he has these wounds from these previous relationships, right? He's wounded from the, from the Philistine woman. He's wounded from the, from, 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 the, from the prostitute. Now he gets with Delilah. And, and, and he's so oblivious to reality. He, he's, he's so dense, he can't even see what's right in front of his face. Because Delilah would say something like this to him. She would say, tell me where your strength is. Because you remember Samson. Samson was a bad man. Samson was a bad but Samson was a man where he could take the jawbone of a donkey and kill thousands of men. Samson was a bad man. You know you a bad brother. When you don't need no knife, you don't need no gun. But you can take, a, give me your jaw and knock some folk out. That's a bad brother. I, I, I don't care how you cut that. He had strength that was from the Lord because God went to his parents and said, I'm going to give you a son and he's going to be a deliverer for Israel. And he's going to be a Nazarite. Just means he, he can't drink any alcohol and you cannot cut his hair because it's in his hair that he has strength. And that strength is supernatural strength. Now check this out. Delilah is working with the Philistines, their enemy, enemies of Israel. And they say, why don't you go to her? And go to Samson, rather, and I want you to figure out exactly how it is that Samson gets his strength. Because once you find out how he gets his strength, we're going to kill him. So then Delilah goes and says, Samson, hey, babe. In the country, that's how, that's how the ladies talk. Hey, babe. Tell me where you get your strength from. Now, Samson, 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 he still had a little sense in the beginning. Because he didn't tell her the truth. So he would make up random things. He said, if you braid my hair a certain way, then I'll lose my strength. Check this out. Delilah would braid his hair a certain way. Let the Philistines come in to try to capture him. They wouldn't capture him. And she, he stayed with her. When people show you who they are. And when people show you that they're not for you. You got to be drinking a lot of Drano to go back to them. 
on, I'm just telling you. Don't be calling that spiritual. The Lord ain't told you to go back. You drain no drinking. Amen. So he goes back. Delilah comes in, hey babe. Now, be real with me this time. Tell me where you get your strength from. He makes up something else. That happens several times. And she tries to sabotage him several times. And finally, the Bible says that he got vexed to death. She nagged him to the point to where he said, God, dog, just please stop talking. I'll tell you. If you cut my head, there goes my strength. Now, what I can't figure out is why he was playing like he didn't know what she was going to do with what he told her. Oh, you got to be careful, single folk, when you're dating people and they're asking too deep questions too soon. Because some folk will take what they know about you and use it against you. They're like the government. Whatever you say can and will be used against you. And do you know what happens? Exactly what you think happens. She, they cut his hair. The Philistines come in. They bind him. They conquer him. They gouge out his eyes so he can't see anymore. When they gouge out his eyes, it's a symbolism of when you consistently make bad relationship decisions, you lose your vision. Because you, get, you lost yourself in them. And now you can't even see where you're going. You can't see what you're doing because you're all in the her, all in the him. And God says, but you lost me. And the Bible says when they cut his hair that God departed from him. And when God departed from him, he had no strength. So the men overtook him. And now Samson, who was a great brother, a strong man. I mean, a man that can take the jawbone and kill some folk is a slave. And he's pounding now at the mill. And he's a slave. And you know what the Bible says? That they brought him in to entertain them. Samson, go dance for us. Entertain us. Because since you didn't know how to make proper relationship decisions, Samson, you're nothing but entertainment to us. You, you, you're nothing but a joke to us. And then, of course, you know the rest of the story. Samson says, God, if you'll just be with me one time, let my hair grow back just a little bit, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him dead. And, oh, he killed him. He killed him dead. But he died himself. Why? Because he didn't learn from the wounds of the previous relationships he was in. But then the last, the last wound that we can inflict is when we're wounded by ourselves. Anybody ever had some self-inflicted wounds? Self-inflicted wounds are unique because you'll sit there and take the knife and stab yourself and watch it. Bishop, what's a self-inflicted wound? It's a decision that you knew was bad before you made it, but you still made the decision anyhow. That's the man we saw in the story from the book of Luke. That's the man that had a self-inflicted wound. David says in Psalm 38, 5, that my wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. Foolishness, to be a fool is to live as if there is no God. So when you're, you could even be a fool and be a believer. Because even though you profess him to be God, you live as if he is not God. Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing with me. So, so, so this man had self. Can we look at his story for just a minute? Because I think there's some things we can learn. The scripture says he fell amongst thieves. Now, check this out. You don't just fall amongst thieves. He had to have been hanging in the wrong crowd and been with the wrong folks at the wrong time and had the wrong thing happen to him. 
I'm here to tell you, every time you try to fit around average, mediocre people, it is never going to work. Because God created you to be a king and a priest. He created you to be above average. He created you to stand out from the crowd, not blend into the crowd. And every time you try to uh, fit in with folks that are beneath where God has ordained for you to live, you're always going to find out that they were thieves in the first place. Stop out of your desire to want to have some people around you. Stop hanging around people that are thieves. You better learn how to enjoy yourself. If you, uh, you take yourself to the movie, take yourself out to eat, take you and your dog go, y'all ain't saying nothing. Because many people, out of their desire not to be lonely, they'll get in the wrong crowd and then they will fall amongst thieves because on the outside they look like they were sheep, but they didn't know they were really wolves that had sheep's clothing on. Then the scripture says he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem is a city. In Hebrew, it means city of peace. Say peace. But he went to Jericho. Jericho means a place of fragrance. Now, check this out. God says he went from a place of peace in his life to a place where there is now going to be a new fragrance in his life. Here's the problem. To obtain a fragrance in this day, the only way you were able to do that was to crush something. To get the oil, you had to crush the olive. To, to get a perfume or a fragrance, you had to crush a flower. Listen, what's the point? It is from your wounds that your greatest worship comes from. Because it was the times where you were wounded and you were sitting there crying and you were sitting there confused and you were sitting there befuddled about your situation. That's when real worship came out of you. I'm here to tell you it's the hell you had to go through that made you spiritual. It wasn't your good days that made you pray. It was your is any witness in here? It was your bad days that made you pray. It was the days you wanted to blow your brains out that made you pray. It was out of your wounds that your greatest worship came. Now, now, then they stripped him. They stripped him. And when you're stripped, you feel ashamed. You feel vulnerable. You feel unprotected. You, you feel like a Adam had this issue in the garden because Adam, the scripture says that he was, him and his wife, they were naked and, 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 and they were unashamed. But then all of a sudden when, when negative things started entering, they, they somehow looked at that as, as shame. They stripped this man of the things that he had to protect him. They left him vulnerable. They, you, you know, if you've ever been wounded, you know how you felt. You felt like you had gotten taken advantage of. You wasn't just mad at them. You was mad at the whole world. Everybody with two legs and two eyes and two feet and some fingers you was mad at. You felt ashamed. You felt embarrassed. I can't believe I let this happen to me. I don't believe I, I was so stupid to let this happen to me. And so now you feel totally unprotected. And then once they had him in a vulnerable spot, they wounded him. He was around people that evidently he thought he could trust only to find out they were thieves. They were robbing him of his time, his energy, his money, and most importantly, his sanity. You, you got to be careful when you continue to place yourself around people that are robbing you it may not be money but it may be something else uh, uh, uh. people many times don't understand people people sometimes will say why you don't want to go around so-and-so and, well you ought to just bishop said you can change the atmosphere you ought to just walk in there and change the atmosphere but i don't want to always have to be protecting my pockets 
You, you missed what I just said. In, in, in essence, what I'm saying is, is that if you constantly place yourself around thieves, people robbing your sanity and your spirituality and your joy and your peace, then don't be surprised when you ain't got no more. He fell amongst thieves. Say thieves. Now the question becomes, Bishop, if God loved him, why would he let them wound him? Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God say, leave them jokers alone? They are bad news. Them jive time suckers. Leave them A-L-O-N-E. Anybody ever wondered that? God, if you love me, why did you let them do this to me? Why did you let me do this to myself? Can I get three witnesses? I promise I'll preach it if I can just get some folks that act like they had never been wounded. Y'all sitting up here acting so religious and bougie, I can't even get... We find the answer in Job 16 and 14. Job says, now you know Job. Job went through some stuff. Job went through some stuff and didn't even do nothing wrong. See, some stuff you go through, you was totally in the wrong. Job didn't even do nothing. And look at what Job says. Job says, he breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. I'm here to tell you the reason God allows you to be wounded is so that God can break your will so you can submit to his will. Because until your will is broken, you're going to be buttoned up against God. And God says, I don't need a co-pilot. I need you to get in the back of the plane and let me fly. God says, so I let them lie on you. I let them do what they did to you. I let them wound you so that you would find out you can't put your trust in man, but you can only put your trust in God. Anybody ever been there and had to learn that lesson that every time you try to trust people, you're going to be let down? But when I put my trust in Jesus, God needs you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is God. That's why he lets you be wounded. The wound is evidence of his love. He loves you enough to let you get into a place where only he can get you out of. But then to add insult to injury, these people that he trusted left him half dead. Not only did they strip him, not only did they begin to wound him, but now they've left him to where only half of him is alive. It is as if in that moment of his life, he felt like he was on life support. It is as if in that moment of his life, he's having memories flash in front of him. And he's looking back at everything that his life was. And he's thinking, this is how it's going to end. I'm going to die on the side of this road. The priest ignored me. The Levite ignored me. And I'm left here to die by myself because see what you may not understand is that a spiritual death is far worse than a natural death because you can be a dead person walking you breathe and you're just not living you're walking around but there's nobody home nobody's in there what's in you is just a bunch of wounds that go out and wound everybody else and so that man represents many people we've all been on the side of the road and they left him half dead 
They thought he died from the pain of the wounds they inflicted. Just like Satan hoped that when you were wounded that you would die. He, he was hoping that you'd stop coming to church when you were wounded. He, he was hoping that you'd stop praying when you were wounded. He was hoping that you'd turn your back on God when you were wounded. But baby, I'm here to tell you they made one major miscalculation. They thought that half dead meant all the way dead. They didn't understand that if he was only half dead, that meant he was still half alive. You got to stop acting like you're dead. You're still here. You made it through that storm. You made it through that. Are there any survivors in the house that say, I've been through some hell and I've been through some stuff, but I'm still half alive. Still half alive. Tell somebody say, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, Jeremiah 10, 19, woe is me for my hurt. My wound is severe. But I say, truly, this is an infirmity and I must bear it. Jeremiah said, I'm not going out like this. Jeremiah said, if I'm going out, it ain't going to be like this. You, you, you got to learn how to measure some of the stuff you come against. Because listen, you didn't been through worse before. Why are you tripping now? Like, like this is so hard. and then, No, you done been through worse before. You've been hungry before. You've been broke before. But I'm here to tell you, a new day has arrived in your life. God says, I need you to be healed so you can go and be a blessing. He, 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 he then, to add insult to injury, is confronted with people that didn't understand his wounds, nor knew what to do about them. The priest who represents the pastor looked over at him and went to the other side. You, you know church folk like that. See, you got to be careful when you start getting your life together that you don't forget you was just on the floor. See, see, I, I can't stand folk. Okay, I'm finna just, since y'all ain't gonna say nothing, I'll just preach I want to. I can't stand folk that forgot they was the sucker laying there on the floor a couple weeks ago. And now you want to sit up and pontificate like you've been good your whole little life. I'm here to tell you, you was half dead too. And if it wasn't for the word of God, you... Don't you look down on somebody. You were down there yourself. Tell your neighbor, say, don't do it like that. 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 And then the Levite, the Levite in this culture, uh, culturistic setting, the Levite represented the political system as well as the religious system of the day. And you know what they did? They looked over at him. And they didn't know what to do, so they just walked over to the other side. This is why sometimes you'll have conversations with people and they're just totally absent and you just feel like you could have had a better conversation with that gray wall over there. Because you're trying to get them to understand and they're just not getting it. You're trying to tell them what's going on and just trust the Lord. That's true. I need to do that. But what I'm talking about right now. Come on, please. That's why you ought to be thankful you come to a church like Harvest. Where you have a pastor that's not just preaching some Bible. But a pastor that's walking through this thing with you. I know you can come out of your wounds, baby. Because I've come out of mine. I need to testify for a minute. I need to just testify for a minute. Because maybe people think being a pastor is easy. But I'm here to tell you, you deal with some of the most scandalous scoundrels and snakes and snakeheads in the church. Oh, Bishop, I love you. I'm just so thankful for you. And then they'll turn around and lie on me and 
Facebook about you and tweet about you and spread a rumor about you because you wouldn't turn and look at they. I, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, see, I, I got to do this. I got to testify. I don't do this too often. I got to testify because if I, I ain't going to be one of these pastors that go crazy. You ain't going to find me uh, taking no coke and stuff because y'all didn't stress me out. No, you ain't going to find me doing that. No. Boop, no. I, I say this to people often. I say, listen, if you're not called to be a pastor, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. This is, the, this, this is, this is one, of the most, one of the most emotionally and spiritually draining things you could ever do if you're not called to do it. Thank God I got my papers. I'm called. But only as a pastor do you have people use you like you're a glass of water. And they'll drink from you as long as they feel thirsty. And the moment they feel like their thirst has been quenched, they put you on the shelf. Only as a pastor, only as a pastor, you have people. Oh, Bishop, thank you. Oh, ooh, my life has changed. Oh, you just so. Ooh, thank you. And then that same snake will turn back around and walk out over there. And but well, I don't know. I just think this. And Bishop, did you see how he doing that? I don't know. I didn't know that. See, that, that's why. That's why I learned something a long time ago. I learned the greatest freedom is freedom from people. But I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. That those wounds that people inflict, there's an old saying that says people, people, everybody eats after church, they eat the pastor. It's an old saying. Now listen, I, I'm not complaining, I'm testifying. It's testimony service. Mother's going to come up in a moment and be my jacket back so I can finish this out good. But check this out, check this out. But what people don't understand is, what people don't understand is, is that I'm a human being. And being lied on, that hurts. Amen. Having people be fickle with you, that hurts. Amen. Ooh, Bishop, you my pastor. And then three weeks later, they feel, ooh, child, I'm over here at First National. Yeah. So lying. <laughs> Self. But what's the point? If I made it through my wounds, you can make it through yours. You can make it through yours. You, you, you can make it through yours. Imagine, imagine if every week I came in here and I just bled all my wounds. Good morning, church. You know... I don't do nothing to nobody. <laughs> I just preach the word, love God, why I got to deal with these fake and fickle, two-timing, no-tithing, time-wasting, phone-hogging, Pearline consuming suckers. You know, you'd be like, come on, Bishop, you're going to have to come on. You're going to preach the word. Say something. Tell me God going to work it out. Tell me something. Bishop, what are you trying to say? You got to understand that those wounds will always bring you closer to God. 
And as your pastor, I'm here to tell you, I got to push through mine. You got to push through yours. And we're going to push through them all together. Now back to our regularly scheduled message. Thank you. Appreciate you. How to handle wounds. <laughs> here's what you do. There's three things you got to do. We find them in the text to handle wounds. Now, remember, everybody's going to be wounded. And, and here's the deal. After today, you're going to be wounded too. But what I want to do is give you the steps so that you can deal with those wounds. Okay? Because here's the first thing we see from the text. The first thing is the Bible says that they bandage the wounds. Why do you bandage the wounds? So you can stop bleeding on everybody. Wounded people wound people. Stop making new people pay for the mistakes of old people. Stop making new relationship pay for the mistakes of old relationship. If you're wounded, you will have nothing but the propensity to wound other people. So the first thing you got to do is put a bandage on your wound. That's the first thing you got to do. L listen, you're still here. It, 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 I know it hurt, and I know it hurt, and I know it was bad, and I know it wasn't right, but you're still here. Evidently, that wound wasn't big and bad enough to take you out. Evidently, you're bigger and badder than that wound. Put a bandage on that thing. Stop bleeding on everybody. And not, just, and, and not just for making people pay for others' mistakes, but, but sometimes you can bleed on people because when you're wounded, sometimes that's all you want to talk about. And, and so you walk into church, you know, people, people, you can tell wounded people because it's written all over their face. They don't have to say a word. I know. They ain't got to say nothing. Put a bandage on that wound. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that I'm not going to let this wound control me. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, it hurt. Yes, it was not fair what they did. But I'm not going to let it control me. And then the second thing we find from the text is that they poured oil on it and wine on it. Now, oil represents the word of God. It's the word of God that heals your wounds. Not getting a new boo to get over the old boo that wounded you. That ain't going to help you get over your wound. No, no, no. What's going to help you get over and heal your wound is the word of God. That's why if in your car you don't have CDs of the messages playing, I don't know what you're doing. Because here's the deal. You don't always have to understand the word for the word to work. When the word is heard, the word will begin to do things in your spirit and you won't even be able to explain it. But there's a spiritual something happening. You don't know how your car works. You just know when you turn that key, that thing. Rrr. Beep, beep. Who got the keys to the Jeep? You got to keep yourself focused on the word because it's the word that's going to heal you. Not getting even with them, not talking about them, not trying to call their cousin so their cousin can get the story about them so that their family don't think you this and that. Forget them. You, you better learn how the power of the F word. Forget you. But Bishop, so-and-so don't like it. Forget them. Bishop, my mama don't like it. Forget your mama. Bishop, my cousin don't like it. Forget your cousin too. You got to learn the Ephraim principle. Forget them. Ephraim. Forget you. Now see, y'all need to be Christians now. I ain't saying cuss it, folk. Y'all look, y'all smiling because y'all, some of y'all really say that to people. You be like, whoops. I didn't know it was forget. I thought it was another word. Forget them. If you can't deal with people that don't like you, baby, you ain't ready for life. You need to go on back in the womb, spend some more time in there. 
F them. Put that on your Facebook profile. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't really like you. F you. <laughs> I see your job right there. Okay, anyway, so you, you, got, to, you got to get the word because you got to pour oil. The word is going to be what heals you. Because it's going to be some folk you really want to tell them the real. But you need that word to keep you near the cross. <laughs> it's going to be some folk you want to run over. You see them in the street on the 16th Street Mall. You want to accidentally act like you didn't see that sign. But you thank God you're a Christian. You got to remember, I'm a Christian. Thank God I'm a believer. Woo! I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes some stuff I got to deal with, and there's always, you know, something you got to deal with. Sometimes I just be like, Lord, let me cut them, please. Just let me cut them once. Just, just once, God, because they're quick. <laughs> they need to get cut. And I had to remind myself, I'm a Christian. I'm joking. I don't want to cut people that often. Now, so, so wine, I'm just testifying. If it's too much for you, I forget you. <laughs> I just got to be real with you. Because I wish we live in these and thous and Hebrew and King James and that. No, we live in the, e, in the R-E-A-L-W-O-R-L-D. And in the real world, we got to take these biblical principles and we got to put them to practice in our life. And there's going to be sometimes you don't want to act like a Christian and you're going to have to remind yourself, I'm a Christian. And I can't misrepresent my God. I can't represent my pastor. I can't misrepresent my church. So just F them. Then they put wine on it. Now, wine was a disinfectant. And in, in the culture setting, they used wine as a healing agent. They would take wine. You see Paul the Apostle telling Timothy uh, for him to take wine to ease some of the infirmities and some of the ulcers he was dealing with in his stomach because Timothy was so stressed out from the church folk at the church of Ephesus. So he said, boy, drink you some wine to help you deal with them ulcers. So, so, and just F them. Forget them people. That's why he tells them things like, don't let them despise you. And so he, he does all of that. But now watch this. Wine is a disinfectant. It's not a sterilization. Sterilization kills everything. A disinfectant kills those things that are believed to be harmful. It kills those things that need to be killed. See, what wine does is keeps you from becoming bitter and it makes you better. Bishop, what is wine? In scripture, wine is joy. Wine is thankfulness. So the way I keep from being bitter over this wound is that I get joy about thinking about what he's done for me. See, this joy I have, the world didn't give it. And so the world sure enough ain't going to be able to take it away. And people are going to be looking at you. How are you happy going through this? Man, that ain't happiness. That's called joy. Happiness comes when things happen, but joy is built into who I am. I refuse to let this get me stressed out. I refuse to let this get me down. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the last thing that I'm through, he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The, the, the inn or the hotel, motel, holiday inn in the scripture it represents him being taken to the church. 
It's the power of the church. See, what happens is when you're wounded, you're going to be tempted to run from God and run from church. Today, I can't go to church today. I just got so much going on. I'm just so stressed out. I'm just so hurt. I'm just so mad. You got to fight the temptation to run from church, and you're going to have to run to church because it's in this place that God can pour some more oil and God can pour some more wine, and then you have somebody next to you that's been through something too, and you sing their joy will encourage you. You sing them press will encourage you. When you're wounded, don't run from church. Run to church. Because when you run from the place that you need to heal and you need to recover and you need to become whole, what you will do is you will go out and make your wound bigger and you'll be bitter. And when you're bitter and when your wound is bigger, you will negatively affect everybody and everything in your life. See, everything God brings you, you'll find a way to mess it up. God will bring you something great in your life. But I don't know. What do you know what? It's not like talking. You just, you know folk like that. You just, every time you try to say something. But I think we can do this. But I don't know if we can. Just shut your mouth. You're going to have to F them too. Forget them. Bandage your wounds. Stop bleeding on people. Get some oil. Get that word planned. Get that word plan. Uh, the morning show on 107.5 ain't the word. Man, get that word plan. So when you're driving to work, you're getting healed. When you're driving to church, you're getting healed. When you're going to the movies, you're getting healed. Everywhere you're going, you're getting healed because that word is pouring oil into you. And then get you some <laughs> spirits of wine. Because <laughs> somebody's like, that's what I'm talking about, Bishop. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, I like this, Bishop. You can preach that. I just... What you gonna get to him? Bruce go or something you tell <laughs> Spiritual wine. Joy. Thankfulness. I'm thankful that while I may have been half dead, I still was half alive. I'm thankful that while I was wounded there, at least they didn't get me down here. And then stay in the end. Stay at the end. Stay in the church. Don't run from God. Don't run from church. It's the only place wounded warriors become healed warriors. Any healed warriors in the house? I dare you to get up on your feet, put your Bible down, throw your hands up and open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord. If you're saying, I refuse to be wounded, I refuse to be wounded, but I shall be healed. Come on, where you are, give the Lord some praise. Where you are, everybody. If you're not a shouter, clap your hands. If you're not a clapper, move your feet. If you can't move your feet, move your elbows. Do something to let the devil know I'm still here. Hallelujah. Heal. Lift your hands all in this place. Healed. Father, I speak the word of healing. I speak oil and I speak wine now into the lives of everybody in the sound of my voice. And I declare, Father, that no wound that was formed against them was able to prosper. Whether it was from their parents or from their family or, or, or from a relationship or whether they wounded themselves. I declare that today, that's the last day that wound gets to bother them. 
And I declare that healing flows into their lives. Now, be healed from that relationship. Be healed from that pain. Be healed from that abandonment. Be healed from that rejection. You got too much living to do to be stuck. Wouldn't it be a shame to be breathing but never live? Because many people do that. They breathe, they exist, but they never live. God created you to be greater than that. He created you to be a king and a priest. He created you to leave a mark in this place. To when you leave, everybody knew you were here. I speak healing into your life. You need this CD. You need this DVD. Get it, right? Don't you go home without getting it. Don't talk about I'm going to get it Wednesday. No, get it today. Because you need this plan in your car. You need this plan in your house. You need this plan on your computer and your headphones on your job. You need this oil and this wine to begin to flow. You got a lot to be thankful for. I said you got a lot to be thankful for. You, you, you may not have everything you, ha- you want, but, but God's still meeting your needs. You, you're not on the street nowhere begging. God's still meeting your needs. You may not have the job you want, but a lot of folk don't even have that much. You better be thankful got a lot to be thankful for with your head bows and eyes closed at every campus everything i just ministered only applies to those that believe in jesus christ but if you don't i got some good news you can become a believer today god's not mad at you he's not angry with you he's not he, he's not frustrated with you you may be frustrated with yourself but god says that's what that whole cross thing was about that whole cross thing was about me paying for what you never have the ability to pay for Whatever it is, stressed out, whatever it is, God says, I want to give you something called salvation today. But maybe you're here today and you say, Bishop, I I know the Lord, I've served the Lord, and and, and I've not been walking with him. I, I, I got off of track, I got off doing my own thing, and I need to come back to the Lord. Today is your day. Don't you let some wound keep you from God. I said, don't you let some wound keep you from God he's not angry with you he's got nothing but love for you because what I love about the about the man that that was fell among thieves what I love about him is even though his wound was self-inflicted God still rescued him isn't it good news that even when it's your fault God says I'll still pull you up I'll still rescue you with your head bows and eyes closed if you need to become a believer rededicate yourself this is your moment this is your time I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to ask you to confess your sin to your neighbor. I'm going to ask you to do one thing and one thing only. And that's lift your hand when I count to three. Mister, do I have to do that? Can I just do it from my seat and be silent about it? No. The scripture says that we got to do it according to the word. Word says we got to confess it. We got to believe it. And so your stand of obedience when you lift your hand right there. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Just lift your hand. You're letting God know, God, I'm serious about you. And I really want you. And I may not understand everything about you, but I know enough about you to know I need you. And if either one of those is you, right where you're at, right from your seat on the count of three, don't think about it because you'll think yourself out of it. Throw your hand up. If you need to become a believer or rededicate yourself on the count of three, put them up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw that hand up because we want to pray for you. We see you. Bless you. Keep that hand up because the welcome team is going to put something in your hand. Keep that hand up. Come on, Harvest, you can celebrate. We can celebrate. Lives are being changed right now. You can celebrate that. 
Now everybody say this to me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sin before you. I thank you that God sent Jesus to die in my place. I declare no more wounds for me. I refuse to be stuck in a place called wounded. I believe I got a lot of living to do. And it starts right now. In Jesus' name, you ought to give God some praise right through there. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Every day my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money or sensitive info. I wanted to protect my employees and my clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. First, teach employees to recognize and report phishing. Next, require strong passwords plus multi-factor authentication. And finally, turn on automatic updates for your business software. To learn more, go to CISA at CISA.gov forward slash secure our world.